0: Hi, my name is Sarah Rachel Brown. I'm a 30-something-year-old woman, and I live in Philadelphia. I'm a contemporary jeweler. And like many others, I am an artist trying to make a living. On this podcast, I am going to broach the subject of value. I'll be talking to studio artists and performers, educators and administrators, and anyone else attempting to combine their creative endeavors with how they get a paycheck. Hey everyone, it's October. It's one of my favorite months of the year, and this is another episode of Perceived Value. Once again, I'd like to thank those who have signed up through my Patreon account to be a patron and those who have donated through PayPal. So, huge thanks goes out to Maria and Sharon. Last episode, I promised you all some figures regarding my progress on saving for a new MacBook to be used solely for the podcast. So, in the spirit of radical transparency, here goes. I'll be buying a MacBook Pro with a 13-inch monitor. I did my research, and I found that this model is highly recommended for those who do audio editing, such as podcasting. It costs $1,500, technically $1,499. Currently, I have 14 patrons, meaning they've signed up that each time I publish an episode, they are automatically charged a specific amount that they have chosen to donate. So per creation, I am making $71, minus a fee from Patreon and a fee from PayPal. To date, I have made a total profit of $244.65. So thank you to my patrons. Many of you have donated through PayPal. And to date, I have received a total of $421.68 after my fees. So a grand total of $666.33, which is very on brand for October. But let us not forget, I have monthly podcasting expenses. So my software subscription is $26.49 a month, and my analytics subscription is $5 a month. Oh, and I just met with my accountant the other day Because I have to have an accountant because I'm really bad with finances. And I will be paying taxes on these donations. So let's just keep that in the back of our minds for now. But let's not think about it until February. I launched my support page in June. And since then, I have paid $157.45 for those services, which brings us to $508.88. But. We can't forget that since June, I have traveled to NYC twice for interviews and technically LA, but that was mostly for pleasure. So let's subtract $250 from that number. If I ignore the fact that I've never paid myself or pay myself back for my initial equipment investment, that puts me at needing $1,241.12 to get me a MacBook Pro. So, yeah, it was pretty good to sit down, crunch these numbers, and really kinda look at where I'm at. Unfortunately, I'm not in a position right now to invest any more of my own personal money into equipment. I kinda wanna buy a house, and I also went to the dentist this month, so, you know, my cash flow is a little low. But, this is exciting. Just even looking at the numbers and really thinking about where I'm at and sharing it all with you empowers me and just excites me about the fact that slow and steady, I can save for that new MacBook and it will happen. It might not happen by New York City Jewelry Week, but you guys, it's gonna happen. So thank you for your support. Today's guest is not an artist but someone who devotes a lot of time and money into supporting the jewelry and metals community. She founded an amazing grant and is a passionate advocate for bringing business skills to jewelers. She is the president and second generation to lead her family's business. And beyond all that, Hillary Hall said Scott's other full-time job is motherhood. And I'm so thankful to have met her and for this opportunity to share with you all the woman behind Halstead. So, please welcome today's guest, Hillary Halstead Scott. Um. So, Hillary. Um, so you got here yesterday. I did. I flew in yesterday, too. When did did you you land? Yeah. I
1: landed at 5.45 in the the morning. Oh, see,
0: (laughs) I got in at 5 a.m. yesterday. (sighs) Oh. Yeah, it was brutal. I was like, this will be great. I'll fly out late Saturday because I had to work on Sunday. I couldn't get anybody to cover for me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I landed at like 5 a.m. and went to work at 1. Mm. Um, Wasn't that bad, though. Yeah. Coffee. Works miracles. Coffee. Nap. Also, you know, kind of ripping the band aid off because you have that coming back from work, 400 plus mm. emails kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we just handled that yesterday. Um. Well, welcome. So, how long are you in Philly for? Just a few days. Yeah
1: I, head, yeah. I head up to New York on Wednesday. So it's great to be on the East Coast.
0: Yeah. Are you taking the train up? Are you bussing? I am taking the train for the first time. Oh, ever. That's so nice. It's going to be fun. I'm excited. Train. I love the train too. Yeah. It's always surprisingly how expensive it is. So I end I always end up taking the bus, but there's been a few times where I just felt really fancy and I was like, you
1: know what, I wanna take the train. Yeah. It's fun. It feels romantic, right?
0: Yeah, it kinda is. Yeah. It reminds me well, I just whenever I think of the train I think of like I imagine I'm in Europe because right. that's when I'm usually on the train. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can hear the ice cream man. It's fall now here in Philly. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but an ice cream truck always sounds good.
0: I know. I never got ice cream once this summer from him, either, which is kind of pathetic. (laughs) Uh. Um, So for those listening, hello. I'm sitting here with Hilary Halstead Scott, correct? Correct. Um, And you might recognize that middle name from Halstead Company. Now, this is something, is it Halstead bead or just Halstead? We go by just Halstead now, but originally it was
1: Halstead bead. Yeah, the company started out in beads a long time ago. So did
0: I. (laughs) So did a lot of jewelers, I know. So do a lot of jewelers, that's right. We share that history, right? Yeah. Yeah. When did you guys rebrand just to go to Halstead? Oh gosh, I think it probably
1: started about eight years ago because really very little of what we do now is beads. We still have some. Yeah. But it's moved away from that. Yeah. But you know, it's still part of our history. It's part of the URL. You're kind of stuck with it forever at that point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: True. Um, and so the company is based out of?
1: Northern Arizona. We're in a little town called Prescott, which is a little slice of heaven. It's yeah. amazing up there. Yeah, we're up in the mountains. So we're at about 5,500 feet. Whoa. And it's kind of like the Rockies. It's really rocky, rough, rugged terrain in the woods. It's beautiful, mm-hmm. gorgeous little downtown. What? Great outdoorsy life. Yeah. yeah. Everyone there is there to mountain bike and hike and soak mm-hmm. in, you know, 360 days of sun. It's pretty great.
0: So um, what I love about Halstead is that it is a family-run business. Um, so you're the second generation to take over the company, mm-hmm. correct? Your parents started it? Yes, they did. Um, and it, they started it, and I always want to say Prescott, because, but it's not. It's spelled like Prescott, but okay. you know, it's like Missouri.
1: You got to say Prescott. Prescott got it. <laughs> got it got it
0: um and they I mean it started there just because that's where they were living correct well it
1: started in Phoenix and Prescott's oh. just two hours north of there okay. so they kind of wanted to escape the city and there was a lot of crime in Phoenix and jewelry around that time so oh, weird they decided to leave really specifically because of that
0: oh and so were you b- born in Phoenix or Prescott I was born in Phoenix we moved up probably when I was about four years old Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So you're, you've you been there most of your life. Yeah. Um, and so your parents had whole other careers before they got into the beating thing. Mm-hmm.
1: They did. What were they? So my mom was a bookkeeper and my oh. dad was an entomologist. So he was the state entomologist for Arizona.
0: And what? I know,
1: right? It's a crazy <laughs> word. So an entomologist is an insect expert. Yeah. So yeah, his whole background was in biology and zoology. My dad's a big science nut. And he did state entomology, which is a lot about, you know, kind of agricultural pest control and urban planning and mm-hmm. all of the issues surrounding insects and integration with, you know, human space. It's pretty interesting work.
0: Which is uh, quite a job in Arizona. Cause well,
1: anywhere, really. Man, Yeah, true. are... They're taking over. I've seen some scary bugs in Arizona, though. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's true. There are some scary bugs. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so how does someone go from being an entomologist to beads? I know, right? Yeah.
1: Well, this is true of jewelry, right? There are so many crazy paths into jewelry. Mm-hmm. People have done just about everything. Um, but he was always really interested in history and anthropology, and one of his weekend hobbies was kind of doing, um, you know, digs and and hiking and trekking around the Southwest. So he became very interested in Native American culture, um, and then other cultures from there. So he has this huge library of of books about the history of adornment uh. and all sorts of social anthropology topics. Um, and so he loves that. And he wanted to make his mother a squash blossom necklace for her birthday. He wanted to buy her one, but he couldn't afford yeah. it, right? So these are um, traditionally Native American silversmithing necklaces. They're really beautiful. Okay. Squash blossoms are a specific kind of um, component in those necklaces okay. um, that are very traditional in the Southwest. Uh, but they were very expensive at the time. So he decided he was going to make one instead. So this was, you know, kind of figured out, find the parts back in the days when that was a lot harder to do right yeah yeah so he did that um and kind of got into making things and Mm -hmm. you know then he met a guy that sold trade beads that were you know still really african trade beads they're a lot harder to find now yeah (laughs) a lot of fakes out there but um yeah so then he bought some trade beads and was just kind of curious because of the history and some people at work wanted to buy them from him and it just kind of went from there so Wow. Yeah, it's funny how life kind of takes a turn
0: sometimes. I also love how your mom's a bookkeeper because that's like a pretty cool team to go into building a yeah. business together. Yeah. Some nice skill set right there. It is.
1: It's good balance. They needed each other for sure.
0: Yeah. They complement each other well. So then, so they start the business and it focused primarily on beads in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I'm assuming that it just naturally progressed to like including more findings and tools as you got into it. I'm yeah. well,
1: yeah. At first, they were making jewelry, right? Everybody oh, makes jewelry. Yeah, yeah <laughs> this yeah. was this was the Selling '70s, it up far, man. Far, oh. they had the VW bus, the whole dig. <laughs> Did right? they really? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So they were crazy, beating hippies, and yeah, they were making necklaces and doing like the craft fair circuit, and um, they just decided one day to you know sell the parts instead. Um, So, you know, they were selling some strands of beads and some finished jewelry. And then, you know, there was more and more interest in, in just the parts as more people were picking up jewelry making. So they went that route. That's a pretty smart route to go. Yeah. So I think like the first catalog they published or I mean, it was more like sales flyers, but I think it was, oh gosh, probably in like 76
0: If you have any amazing photos you want to send along. I do, (laughs) I (laughs) do. Like by their bus or something. Yes, but there's
1: this really cute photo of my parents we use a lot in print with Mm -hmm. like my mom um, getting a piggyback ride from my dad and she's so cute with her long
0: straight hair and wow, uh, it was really right from around that time. (laughs) So um, growing up, you, I mean, you grew up around this business. It's been Mm -hmm. a part of your life pretty much your whole life. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And I would think of it as, you know, you're growing up. Was there an expectation that you were always going to take over the business? Or were they like, if you want to, you can do it?
1: Yeah, not at all. No pressure. My parents are very much about kind of finding what interests you and supporting that. So, you know, they always put it out there that they would love it if my sister and I became involved in the business one day. But they they certainly weren't pushing for it. Um, (laughs) The air conditioning. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so... It was fun. We I mean, I call myself a jewelry industry brat because I really did like grow up after school, like building things out of blocks under the tables in the office as people were like, filling orders and counting stock and things all around and shipping boxes and
0: yeah, you know, I got
1: sucked into working there of course at a very small age. One of my first jobs was um, pulling staples out of the carpet and I had this massive staple collection when I was what? like teeny tiny, I know. Why weird, were there right? so
0: many staples
1: in the carpet? Well, they didn't assign it to me, but I just, I liked building <laughs> forts under all the tables in the office. Oh And yeah. there were like staples and paper clips down there. So I was like, oh, look at that shiny oh, stuff. Here's my new job. <laughs> So my mom actually found them not too long ago and brought me these boxes of like staples I had collected as like a tiny little kid.
0: I love that. Now... It's interesting to me, did you ever have a period of time where you were making jewelry or thought that you'd be a jeweler?
1: You know, a little bit. We dabbled in it, um, yeah. you know, growing up in the business. And my parents used to do a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was, I don't know, probably in middle school, they had me start setting CZs and gluing pearls and all that sort of stuff just for the business as part of work. Yeah. Um, and I I did a little bit, um, but I never got into it a lot. Yeah, um, And actually just you know probably in the last 10 years started doing more workshops and things like that to stay connected to it Mm -hmm. oh taking them yourselves Mm -hmm. and making things Mm -hmm. oh Mm -hmm. okay
0: um so you graduate high school and did you go to college right away i did yes
1: where'd you go to undergrad um university of arizona in tucson
0: oh that, that school has a reputation it, for having a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. <laughs> okay. It is a lot of fun. I feel like everybody I talked to is like, party
1: school. Oh, sunshine State, man.
0: Yeah. yeah. I yeah. get that. What was your major? My
1: undergraduate major was in communications and Spanish.
0: Oh. So initially, did you want to... When taking Spanish was that you thought you would study abroad, you wanted to live abroad. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. I was really interested by international business and languages, so that mm-hmm. was always kind of a big part of the the game plan for me was to try and work that into you know my career wherever I was headed,
0: yeah so did you graduate
1: in four years I graduated in three
0: all right Hillary okay <laughs> um, <laughs> no I mean everything about you I've read it was like very impressive like okay of course you're running a company um, and did you did your parents help you pay for school did you pay for school
1: so I was really lucky my parents helped pay for living expenses but I had a full scholarship so I wow. covered most of um, Most of the expenses really tuition and books and fees and a lot of that so
0: congratulations on that what was the scholarship about was it
1: um at the time they just um they had a program for students in the state at percentiles in Mm -hmm. terms of graduating class so um if you were in i don't remember what it was the top one or two percent of the class you would get free tuition to any state school and the top five percent would get discounted tuition to the state schools um i don't know that that's still Offered in Arizona, yeah, um, I feel really lucky that it was at the time because it
0: was a huge help. Yeah, that's jo- that's massive. Wow. So then, okay, so you graduate in three years. Um, did you take some time off? Did you go to Spain? What'd you do? I, I was in too much of a hurry. Aww, I don't man. know what my deal was. <laughs> No, you're like every parent's dream right now. You're like, <laughs> oh, she graduated early, full scholarship. Uh,
1: well, school's expensive, and I just wanted to get it done. I really yeah. just wanted to get it done and like move on. Um, so uh, yeah, I went straight to grad school and did um, a dual program between University of Arizona and then Thunderbird um, is a school that's mm. specifically a graduate school for international business. Is it?
0: -hmm. Like uh, under the umbrella of University of Arizona, you know,
1: actually, just in the last few years, it was um, consumed by ASU. Oh, okay. But until very recently, it was its own organization, um, and all they did was graduate work in international business.
0: Oh, wait, I think I got a little confused there Mm because undergrad was Arizona State University.
1: No, undergrad was University of Arizona. University. They all sound alike,
0: right? And then (laughs) same place for graduate school for the first part of it, first year of it. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then you then you moved. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, and then with grad school, was that parents helped out too, or just kind of? I out? had a
1: scholarship for part of that, and then I took on student loans for part of it. Yeah. So yeah. But yeah. I mean, if you had
0: your undergrad covered, you're already like.
1: Yeah, and my her- my parents mm-hmm. did still help with living expenses. So yeah, I was really grateful for that. Um, but yeah, yeah, try and get through with his little loan debt as you possibly can yeah right?
0: well i was just out in la with my best friend and it's something that i think about as a well. lot the conversation is always like oh tuition so expensive and mm-hmm. whatever but for her she is in the same boat she's killing it good job lexi but she's going to u.s ucla and pretty much has a full ride but it's the living expenses yeah. that really get you yeah. um and you don't really think about it because she can't hold down a full-time job or yeah. even a part-time job really
1: right i worked part-time but yeah it wouldn't have been enough to pay the rent and all yeah. that. so i yeah. was trying to push through and just you know take credits and get through it yeah quickly um so you graduate what was your degree again one more time so that, my graduate degree yeah. um i have an mba and then i have a master's in international management
0: wow so when it with this all that you're doing was your intention still to be like whatever like thinking about possibility or Mm -hmm. did somewhere along the way did you tell yourself I'm probably gonna work in the family business you
1: know I was in denial about it I think for a while (laughs) (laughs) I really wanted to live abroad for a long time and travel and be overseas for a stretch Um, and my um, my boyfriend at the time who is now my husband was always like no way man you got to go back to Halstead this is a great gig you need to think about this more Um, So he kind of ground me down, (laughs) actually. Um, I think in the back of my head, I always wanted to come back, but I imagined it kind of later in life.
0: Yeah. Later in
1: life. But things just have a way of changing on you, right? Mm -hmm.
0: Did you get some time abroad?
1: I did. Yeah. So right out of grad school, I was hired by um, a remittances company, actually, financial services in Spain. So we moved Mm -hmm. to Spain like a week after I graduated and we got married and then we moved to Spain
0: (laughs) like right after that. Yeah, and how long were you in Spain for?
1: Just over a year. So my husband had some visa problems over there. So Aww. we decided to come back. Yeah,
0: that's a bummer. It was because he couldn't work over there.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's an athlete actually. So he was trying to race. He's a cyclist, and oh, need a visa for that? Right? Who knew you need a visa for
0: that? It's ridiculous. <laughs> Is that like
1: his like? was that his full-time job at the time at the time he was racing really seriously yeah
0: wow i've never actually met any cyclists that are like serious cyclists yeah
1: less now but back then for sure
0: yeah yeah um so you had to come back that's okay where did you live in spain
1: uh in madrid man
0: i have not been to spain oh it's fantastic i (laughs) and usually when i talk to people like where would you go if you could they're like spain spain go to spain yeah it's on my list. There's Hoya that happens. Um mm-hmm. in- Hoya. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking about trying to save up and go there. Do it. Always about contemporary jewelry, but go, you go, know, go. You can go because of jewelry. Yeah. Um so then you move back to Arizona. Mm-hmm. Moved back. And you're yeah. like, Hey mom and dad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So that was really the conversation where my husband was like, do it. And I I, I still wasn't convinced. I wanted to kinda around and uh, move elsewhere in the States for a while because you know the thing is with a family business there are a lot of pros and cons to it and it's not something you can like skip in and out of lightly hmm so I knew if I came back I was gonna be back to stay yeah so that was a really big decision um, and now I'm very glad it all worked out the way it did my dad had some health problems like right after we moved back so mm-hmm. um, it all seemed really lucky that it worked out the way it did
0: yeah and you were there to be able mm-hmm. to help mm mm-hmm. um, and so What position did you start out when you first started there? Because your parents were Mm -hmm. still there. So
1: So I started out in purchasing um, and sourcing. Mm -hmm. So doing quite a bit of that, which was always my dad's gig. So I was learning from him a lot. Um, And then, I don't know, it was really at a point of some major growing pains around then. You know, this was right around 2000, 2002. Um, And the company had grown to the point where it had some serious problems that needed to be resolved and it was kind of overwhelming yeah so you know it was it was over 20 people and there wasn't any structure and you know we needed more help but there wasn't any training you know I mean you just need like all this organization around it at a certain point Mm -hmm. Um, it can't just be freewheeling anymore so uh, the timing was good because I could come in and kind of provide that structure and um, you know look at implementing real management and policies yeah. and purchase procedures. I mean, all this really boring stuff, right? But it yeah. becomes necessary at a point. So um, yeah, that was kind of the focus for a while.
0: And that seems like it probably played to your strings. I mean, you sound mm-hmm. like somebody that's like very, um, I don't know how to say it. Like I'm an artist. What do they say? Like left brain, right brain? I don't
1: know. I know. I never remember which is which. <laughs> is my problem. <laughs> so um,
0: but uh, it just seems to be. You know, you have your MBA. You got to put that oh. all to work. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. So it, it was. It was a good partnership. I never could have done the startup years the way my parents did. I think yeah. that really suited them. Um, and I think um, a second generation. Um, coming in the business had totally different needs it was at a different phase yeah Um, and that's that's been a good matchup
0: that's pretty lucky it worked out Mm -hmm. so when did you take the reins like when did your parents get to retire
1: it was you know it was really slow and steady Mm -hmm. Um, and we're lucky we had a a very smooth kind of succession and I know that can be really tough for a lot of companies yeah Um, both my parents were very gracious about the whole thing and and deciding when they were going to start stepping out and then kind of doing that in a measured way. Yeah. Um, so I feel like we're very lucky we all survived and are still speaking because it's not <laughs> always the case <laughs> I mean
0: I didn't want to bring that up but I just can not even imagine you're working with your family oh, it's your yeah. family it's I a mean, lot of togetherness <laughs> yeah and it's your parents I mean yeah it's I our, to,
1: but there's good stuff too like my mom yeah. used to always make brownies on the weekends and bring them to me on Monday and put them on my desk oh my and god when god, does mom, that happen right <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: true there are the benefits yeah. but yeah um I could see how that could be there would be like a lot of positives to it and then just there are
1: but it was a lot of pressure like my parents um, they work really hard they're the hardest working people I know and and they um, instilled that in both my sister and I we both Mm -hmm. work our asses off and um, you know I just growing up in a business um, you just that's normal right you work weekends you work nights like everybody's always working we're helping you know and I don't know. I, I think the comparison a lot of people really understand is families in the restaurant business, right? You, just, yeah. you see that. Like, you're busing tables as a kid. You're working in the kitchen. You're cleaning the floors after it closes up, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the way small business is. So it's a lot of hustle going on, right? You take off like I three guess. days a year.
0: Yeah, you guys know the hustle. Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, small
1: business is all about the hustle. Yeah. So you have a sister, I do. Yeah. She's not in the business. She's a physical therapist. Oh. She like hated all this madness from the very beginning. <laughs> She's like,
0: I'm
1: out. <laughs> She's like, I am out. I'm not collating and stapling catalogs on
0: my weekend. <laughs> yeah. Is she older or younger? She's older. Yeah. 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 Um, and so also, you have a child. I do. You have a 10 year old. Yes. We so, have a 10 year old. You had your son after you kind of took over the reins, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. And how'd that go being, I mean, because you're the CEO, is that the yeah. correct term? CEO? Yeah, whatever you want to call it. Head head boss lady? Yeah. yeah. Head honcho. Yeah, well. I like that one even better. <laughs> um, how does that go about? getting pregnant and then taking time off when you're kind of running the show?
1: Well, time off is a relative term. (laughs) Oh, man.
0: You got the breast pump in the office. I did, like literally.
1: Oh, yeah. No, and actually, it's one of the reasons I did want to come back to the family business because as hard as my parents always worked, they were always there. You know, I was really lucky. Like, I got to spend a lot of time growing up with both my parents Mm because I was either at the office with them or they would be working at home while they were with us. Um, And I think think I really wanted a similar upbringing for my kids and so that was definitely part of the decision and and leaving kind of the the corporate path and going the small business path because you have that flexibility and you can maintain mm-hmm. that connection to family um so yeah I mean we yes. have we have a room in the building we still call the playroom because that's Aww. where like hunter's playpen was and I had him in his like little bouncer seat in the office every day and yeah um yeah it, You just kind of put them on your hip and keep on charging.
0: Yeah. That's something I really value about. I mean, I don't have any kids, and I don't think that's in my future. But the company I work for Mm -hmm. is really, like, both owners had kids Mm -hmm. this past couple of years. And, you know, the breast pump is in the office. and you do what you got to do. We have another co-worker who's pregnant. And it's just, it seems like the one it's unfortunate with our country, the lack of support women have for maternity leave and things yeah. like that. So yeah. you really start to think about that right? and look at companies differently based upon how they treat people like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's cool, you can bring a little yeah. guy. Yeah, so yeah. You made it work. Um, so when you took over the company, I'm assuming it was excited to get to be like, okay, these are the things you wanna implement or change, I'm assuming
1: yeah I mean there were a few of those things but I don't know like I said before my parents were really open to new ideas and they're really very forward-thinking and progressive in general Mm -hmm. so um I felt like those ideas um were embraced kind of from the very beginning yeah um because they just they knew they needed um help with certain aspects of the business and they knew I had the training for it yeah and so they were great at you know, both listening and advising in equal measure. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I know looking back, uh, the older I get, the more I appreciate how well that whole phase went for, for all of
0: us. Yeah. Did the Halstead grant, did that, um, I can't remember off the top of my head how long has the Halsted Grant existed. So this
1: was our thirteenth award. Yeah. Okay. So your years. parents
0: were there. Did they implement it? No, nope, that, that
1: started when I came back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that was kind of inspired by both them and the business school experience. So um, when you get your MBA, it is really common in graduate bro- graduate programs um, to have like case studies and pitch mm-hmm. competitions and things like that. Yeah. And since then, there's all these TV shows like Shark Tank and.
0: That kind of thing. Those are
1: kind of modeled after, you know, business school case competitions. Um, And that's just a normal part of graduate school for business. It always has been. And so I kind of went through those experiences. And, um, you know, around that time in jewelry, um, there were some really smart, forward thinking people like Marlene Richie and Cindy Edelstein and Bruce Mm -hmm. Baker who are really trying to bring... Um, small business seminars and training to jewelers Mm -hmm. Um, and doing that you know mostly at trade shows and things this was before the web was quite what it is today right so they were doing books and they were speaking and consulting and things like that Um, and you could just see there's a real need for that Um, and I don't know growing up my parents were always um, coming home with just these kind of tragic tales of jewelers who gave up the ghost right and just walked yeah. away from the whole thing um and it was heartbreaking um for all of us to see really talented people give up because of the struggle with that side of things the business side the business side I of relate. things <laughs> yeah right so I mean you can have an incredibly talented jeweler and if you can't figure out that business side your your jewelry business is not getting off the ground you know it's mm-hmm. kind of a non-starter at that point and you know after watching so many people go through that struggle um I don't know. We just wanted to figure out a way to to kind of address that and um, give back to the community. So this seems like a really good solution um, Mm -hmm. in terms of offering something new that kind of had a different angle Mm -hmm. um, to what was being done already.
0: Yeah, there was a line on your website about it that described the Halstead Grant. By the way, you guys the Halstead grant. If you're a jeweler and you're listening and you don't know what it is, (laughs) check it out. What have you been doing? Did you listen to my first season? (laughs) Um, so it is quite a grant awarded annually. Mm -hmm. Um, the cash prize, um, capital Mm $7,500. Um, and then let me see if I got this all thousand dollars towards materials and supplies from Halstead. Correct. And you you. get flown down to Arizona to film a video. Yeah it just kind of depends
1: on the person and what they're comfortable with. Okay mix up the details but everybody comes out. Like a tutorial
0: thing or just whatever they want to do kind of.
1: Yeah sometimes we have them teach a workshop. We have a studio for employees at Halstead where we put everyone through jewelry training. So sometimes we'll have our winners put on a workshop, mm-hmm. and sometimes we'll have them come and do an artist talk, um, oh. and sometimes if people are comfortable, we'll do like a live video, and that can be either an interview format or a demo format or something like that. It's a great experience. Dang, yeah.
0: And then on top of all that, I mean, you guys do a wonderful job with promotion. Huh, like it's thanks. everywhere. You guys now, you guys kind of like build it up the last couple of years yeah. with like a live revealing. Um, the judges you always have is it one guest judge or two Mm -hmm. one guest judge one guest judge yeah um and they get flown out to arizona to do the judging yep for the final phase um who was it this year michael david Sterling. uh and i wasn't familiar with him i looked him up he's amazing yeah yeah he's amazing he's a talented guy and then the year before was martha levin Mm -hmm. um and then i saw that you had did um the woman who runs the blog The Jewelry Loop.
1: Yes, Kathleen McCarthy. She's yeah. right here in Philadelphia.
0: Oh, she's here? Yeah, I'm going to see her tomorrow. What? Hi, Oh, Catherine. hey, girl. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so then I was looking through her blog, and I was like, what? So you get, find some pretty amazing people yeah. to do that. Yeah, it's been a great
1: addition. I'm really glad we're bringing guest jurors now. It's added a lot to the whole experience.
0: Yeah, and then Um, I also love the structure of how you award it, right? So there's the one person that's going to win it. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of people, you guys, this application, it is not to be taken lightly. Um, If you're interested in doing it, I say give yourself a solid six months. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, it sounds so scary. (laughs) No, it's not scary, but it forces you to really think through a lot of things. Um, And there's a lot of applications that you can kind of like, Throw it together in the last month or so. And right. um, this isn't one of those. No. So, because it really takes a lot. Um, but you... So it's the top winner and then the top 10 finalists. Uh-huh. And then there's also top five finalists. Right. Top 10, they get $250 each. Yes. Top five gets 500 Yeah, look at you. you got the memory. did my homework <laughs> on this, people. But also, I did... Um, do an interview with Emily Schaefer mm-hmm. last year in Maine. She was she was awesome. She was also one of the first people I interviewed for this podcast. Was she, she really? Yeah, and she, m- we met during the summer where she was kind of in the final stages of the application. Mm-hmm. And she, every chance she had, she was working on it and she had talked to me about it. And so um, I had heard about the Halstead Grant before. I've never been in a position in my career to apply because I've never fully wanted to take on the business Mm -hmm. of it um but yeah so we did an interview about her doing it and she was a top five finalist Mm -hmm. um but this year y'all Emily Schaefer took the top prize (laughs) I'm so excited for her yeah
1: she's amazing yeah she killed it she did such a great job
0: and I remember um in the interview talking about it that last year was the second time she had applied mm, or was it I think it might you can apply up to 3 times up
1: to 3 times yeah you have yeah. to have started your business within the last 3 years so you yeah. know it depends where you are in that time span the first time you apply
0: yeah mm-hmm. i i do cuz i remember her saying that she only had one last chance to mm-hmm. apply and make it happen um so i'm so excited for her. yeah me too i called her screaming i was like oh my Yay. god um but yeah, and just the kind of promotion you put around it. I've just seen her name everywhere. There's like these just like quintessential like Halstead graphics mm-hmm. of whoever wins. You put their jewelry out there. Um, I remember you sent me a book mm-hmm. this past year. Thank you. That was super nice. Um, so you do a whole publication about it too. We do.
1: Yeah, that comes out in January.
0: Yeah. And it included past winners, which was great because right. there was a lot of people in that book I didn't realize had won. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So all around, it really... Puts a lot of promotion out there um so the application I don't want to scare people off let's talk (laughs) about it I'm not you guys Uh, I mean you say business plan and my knees shake so like don't take me my opinion for it I know it's
1: not fun y'all but I don't know I mean the whole idea of the application is that it kind of walks you through it so it's not you know actually we did at the very beginning I think the second year of the competition um I think we literally said like submit a business plan and that was it. We didn't break it down. (laughs) and So (laughs) we got, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, the range of responses was really amazing. So um, that's when we kind of started breaking it down into individual questions so we could get some apples to apples comparisons across, you know, applicants. That really competing. Yeah, so over time, you know, we've changed some questions and added a few questions. Mm. Um, But yeah, it walks you through all of the parts of your business strategy so what's your marketing look like what's your branding look like um what's your competition look like that's wild. How are you tackling pricing mm-hmm. yeah it's some tough stuff and then the numbers I think are the the hardest sections of the application for everybody and that's where mm-hmm. people um hopefully are really going out and seeking resources and getting some help and advice um we ask people what their capacity is um, what does that even mean? I know, right? It's such a
0: scary <laughs> word. What is their capacity?
1: <laughs> well, I think it's important if you're trying to earn a living, right? This yeah. podcast is about earning a living. And this mm-hmm. is a critical question. So if you're, you know, selling earrings at 50 bucks a pair and you're only making 10 bucks a month or 10 pairs a month, you know, I mean, you have to break down oh, like your time and okay. your earning potential. Yes, I get By it how much you can make. Um, so capacity is a big part of that. Mm hmm. It's a big part of that,
0: and I don't think you really think about it mm-hmm. much when you're starting off.
1: Well, because when you're starting out, you're always making more than you can sell, mm, yeah. right? So capacity is not an issue at first, yeah. But it can become an issue if you're looking at trying to actually get to a you know a sustainable salary,
0: yeah. And so some other aspects of it that I really liked. Well, I just want to dig into like every aspect, <laughs> but overall, I will say this: I when I looked through the application. I felt like not only are you asking people to do this, but you're kind of giving the tools to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. Because if you asked a lot of people, what is a business plan? Mm -hmm. Uh, They probably won't know that well. Yeah, Yeah. no, I totally get it. Yeah, So So
1: we try and provide a lot of resources around it, mm -hmm. kind of on the grant website. And then every year we're getting more and more content. All of our guest judges um, have contributed, um, written pieces about specific issues um, that are kind of associated with their expertise. Um, to help you know grant applicants and their journey um, so there's some really great materials on the website in terms of past articles from um, both Kathleen and Martha so far and Michael's working on some pieces for us right now yeah on pricing and design
0: mm-hmm. well I think that's really important those resources because mm-hmm. whenever I do applications you can sometimes you read a question you can interpret it a very uh, different yeah. way um, but yeah I just feel like you're kind of like you're mentoring the next generation right. of small business owners.
1: Yeah, and that's the intent. I mean, we we started out; it had this really long, horrific name at first. It was the Halsted um, Business Development Grant for New Jewelers. You know, I mean, it was just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but nobody knew what it was, so we felt yeah. like we had to kind of spell it out at mm-hmm. one, you know, at the beginning, make sure everybody knew exactly what we were trying to do, um, and then after a while, we shortened it. Um, but it is about business development and kind of giving people tools and helping them a big part of um, the process now is that we give individual feedback reports to each of the finalists and that's where a lot of the value from the experience comes from Um, wow the top 10 finalists or mm -hmm, top the top 10 yeah
0: that was like the last month of my life (laughs) i was writing all those (laughs) i also thought about that is like the work I mean is it primarily you and then you have your guest judge Mm -hmm. um she's she's, you can get situated I have her you guys everybody (laughs) sits on my floor when they when they come to my apartment I love sitting on the floor um Mm -hmm. um, but is there another like who's the task force for this (laughs) the task
1: force well um to date I've judged my parents judge every year both of them even though they're retired they come back for this they love it they're really passionate about it um and then there's always been someone else from Halstead from the marketing team and that has kind of rotated around amongst different people. Um, This year it was Kelly Green. She's our business development specialist at Halstead. She works with a lot of our accounts um, and works on the marketing team. Um, She's fantastic. She's a jeweler. She had her own jewelry business and
0: retail store for a while so she totally gets it.
1: Yeah. Yeah and
0: then we have our guest judge. So five of us. And so do you think that the Halstead grant out of your business year um mm-hmm. it kind of takes on like takes like a month away or something like yeah for me it takes a, probably a full month um yeah.
1: when you kind of break down all the time across um august and september yeah um yeah I'd say it's easily half my time for those two months.
0: When Uh, you think about everything you have to do, that's kind of incredible you get that much time.
1: It's a lot of time, yeah. And just reading through the applications because these are not like a little deck of slides. These are full-on binders full of, you know, writing and Mm -hmm. all kinds of information to get through. So it's pretty time intense. And then judging itself, we go through a lot of different steps and discussions and then, you know, preparing feedback for everybody so they can kind of adapt and move forward that's a big part of it too i think that's really important
0: what is your favorite do you have a favorite part of the application because it seemed like there were so many things Ooh, i do i yeah? have several favorite parts okay it's so funny we all have different favorite parts
1: yeah because there is a lot to cover in that there's packet. a lot to yeah. cover i know i you know honestly one of my favorite questions is the question about what's your competition I think that's really telling.
0: Yeah, yeah. I remember Emily actually bringing that up to me because she uh-huh. totally let me snoop her application. Yeah,
1: it's a hard question. And. I don't know, it just gives a lot of insights into the thinking of the individual in terms of how they approach that. Um, we mm-hmm. have people say everything from, I have no competition, I'm making jewelry the world has never seen, which... You're like, okay, points for yep. self-esteem. Hint to the listeners, not a good like competitive analysis. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. <laughs> Noted. Um, some people get really detailed, some people name specific jewelers, some people talk about kind of price categories or parts of the market. Um, So, and there's no one right approach. And that's kind of true of the whole application. It's not like you can get a cheat sheet of answers. There's no like dummies guide to the Halstead grant. Um, If you look across our past winners, I think now especially you can see the variety across these jewelers in terms of price points and approaches. I mean, we've had people who do strictly one of a kinds we have people who do production line. We have people who do price points that are very low and price points that are very high. I mean, there is no one model. Yeah. But it has to be a strategy that makes sense for the business, you know, as a whole.
0: That makes that's good to hear because I guess in my mind I felt like the type of artist you're looking for would be the type of person that is like the Halstead customer, like Mm -hmm. you have a production line and whatnot, but you just mentioned one of a kind artists. Yeah, no, there's, yeah, and a lot of them aren't customers. I'd say not even half
1: are probably Halstead customers and that's totally fine. Um, Yeah, yeah, it's it's really not about that. Um, We serve a certain part of the market, but the market for jewelry is big and I think it's really important to kind of be inclusive. Um, We do specify that you have to have a line in silver. Yeah. um, And, That's for a reason, too. I feel like there is a lot of opportunity out there for fine jewelers in terms of recognition and support Mm -hmm. Um, and for people working in kind of the art jewelry or bridge jewelry or whatever you want to call it. Um, There just isn't as much opportunity out there for exposure and advancement. So I -hmm. think it's important
0: to kind of fill that gap. Uh, bridge jewelry is a term that Emily know. Schaefer introduced to me. I'm sorry, that's so old school. No, my age. Here. Oh my God, no. <laughs> I don't think that is at all. I think you should be aware of it. Wait, wait remind me. Okay, bridge jewelry. Okay. definitely. So,
1: um, you know, yeah, I'm probably older than a lot of your listeners, but back in the day, jewelry was generally considered um, to be sold in three tiers, right? So okay. costume and fine. We all know what costume jewelry is. We all know mm-hmm. what fine jewelry is. And then yeah. bridge jewelry was kind of everything in the middle okay so I mean it was mostly like price point designations at the time right yeah um and generally speaking bridge jewelry was silver for a long time um but all of those lines have become more and more blurry um Um, so I think that term is used very rarely now mm -hmm. um but it um I don't know I think it's descriptive right
0: no it is and immediately I was like oh that kind of for the production line that I have Uh which is like very not uh, mostly podcasting now but it still exists in a few places (laughs) mostly it's sterling silver with some Uh gold plate and i was like ah it was totally bridge jewelry (laughs) because it wasn't fine and it Uh wasn't costume and it's just Mm -hmm. in between and um i really appreciated learning that term we'll bring it back bring it back back well now there has to be so many more categories of it too it's like contemporary art jewelry art jewelry blah 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 um it's too many to think about that's right pick a What do you think is the hardest question on the application? I think the the capacity question is really tough for people. And I feel like Emily broke it down so much that you had to talk about how many pieces for different Mm -hmm. examples. Can you go into that a little?
1: Well, I mean, again, there's no one right way to approach it, um, but we want to see that you've thought about how you use your time, Mm -hmm. and is that time going to generate enough income for you to earn a living, Mm -hmm. right? So when you kind of look at you know how much of your time goes to administrative tasks and travel and things like that how much of your time is really at the bench yeah if you look at that manpower time at the bench whether you're making your production line or one of a kinds or whatever it is Mm -hmm. you know how many pieces of jewelry can you make in a month what's your average price point and does that pay the rent is really what it comes down to right
0: yeah well Yeah. That's a good question.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like this is intense math. I mean, you can do all this on a little handheld calculator, but it's just kind of thinking through um, kind of the money side of earning a living.
0: Yeah. And I don't think many people do necessarily Mm -hmm. in the beginning.
1: Well, and it's it's an important part of the process. And what we hear from finalists is, oh, whoa. Yeah. Right. Like, I wouldn't have done that. But now that I did, like, I need to. I need to up my I need to up my average price, right? Yeah. You start to realize like, oh, okay, so I can't keep selling at an average price of eighty-five dollars and make this work. Mm-hmm. I've got to figure out how to get my collection to a certain price point, or I've got to increase my volume and my productivity to a certain point. Mm-hmm. Um and either way is is fine, you know? It's yeah. just kind of thinking through and doing some problem solving.
0: Well, it's also interesting too, because you know, I think I've taken a lot of workshops, I've been taught, and inevitably, even it has nothing to do with the class, someone's going to be like, how do you price your work? Because yeah. like, the question, everybody this is wants is like, mm-hmm. magical um, equation, and I think the equation usually is, like, hours plus materials oh, times two or there's something. there's a hundred
1: formulas out there. I know, and
0: as you say this, it's like,
1: that, no. I think you can't. need to work back from what you need to what you need to make. I mean, yeah. everybody knows like to live in Philadelphia. What's the salary that you have in your mind that you want to get to, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. we all know what that is for our part of the country and our lifestyle. Yeah, um, We all kind of have a that magic number in mind. And I think you need to
0: kind of work backwards from that. I think moving forward when I have students or someone asked me that i think that's very valuable because no one's ever brought it up in that response it's like what do you need to make and work back from there and think about
1: it and sometimes you have to go back and forth because then if you're pricing your earrings at 800 dollars for a pair of silver earrings with very little labor
0: (laughs) that's Mm. not gonna work right so then you gotta look at your
1: work and your collection and okay is the work competitive is it gonna sell at that price which is part of it too so i think you kind of have this ping pong of back and forth between the two sides of it Mm And hopefully, you know, you'll work your way to the middle in a a point that's sustainable.
0: Yeah. Um, What is your perceived value of your work? There you go. Mm, There it is. Um, So, yeah. So Emily won this year. Still very excited for her. But so Halstead Grant is one way that your company gives back a lot. Mm -hmm. But you also do a lot of other things um, I mean I was just reading an email from Art jewelry forum and Halstead was at the bottom I was boom sponsor mm-hmm. and I was like hey look at that they're everywhere <laughs> so um, outside of the grant um, and obviously sponsoring Art jewelry forum what are other things that you try to do to give back to the jewelry community
1: um gosh we just try and get involved in as many places as we can. I mean, really yeah. in education, I think that's part of our core mission Yeah, um, is small business and education. Those are kind of two of our real pillars. Mm-hmm. So those are places we try to give a lot of support out in the jewelry community, anywhere that people are, are providing small business um, skills and access to resources. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that's really important to us. Um, anywhere people are providing education around making a living in the field, that's really important to us. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the areas we we really prioritize. Um, and we're really trying to build a lot more relationships across different schools and studio programs and art centers um, mm-hmm. that are kind of taking up that torch. Um, and I think there's been a lot of need for that in the last decade as a lot of um, you know, public school systems and universities have, have dropped arts education and vocational learning. Yeah, um, I think that's been kind of redistributed in different ways, right? Yeah. So um, people who are interested in these kinds of careers are having to navigate that and
0: it's, it's
1: kind of evolving. So
0: f- as the face of the company, you uh i met you at snag the first time mm-hmm. um you bought a ring for me and i was like oh hey there it is hey. and i remember you like got your name into Halstead and i was like oh Halsted, oh cool um <laughs> so you go to snag every year i do yeah yeah do I you go it. to have you ever been to any like jewelry weeks or anything like that um i've done some of the trade
1: shows but i've never done munich jewelry week okay um yeah so I don't know it's it's tough, especially with a kid at home like I'm traveling yeah. less these days with a little guy. um I'd love to travel more, yeah um, but I kind of try and bounce around here and there throughout the year too.
0: well, I mean, you have a lot going on i I don't even make it snag every year when you think about it it's like it's a huge commitment to do that mm-hmm. that kind of stuff every year um so I get that uh so the other thing that you've mentioned and I'm gonna kind of circle back because I didn't really touch on it much, but your family-run business, and when I was looking at your website, you had all the pictures of all the people that work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like you really invest in your um, your team. Yeah, um, and you kind of casually mentioned that you have a like a studio space for your employees. We do.
1: Yeah, we have a teaching studio on site just for staff. It's not open to the public. We don't give classes. Um Yeah, we're wholesale, so we don't have like a public retail space. Mm -hmm. Um, So really, the studio is just for employee learning and employee use. Um, And we bring in guest instructors, but we also have a full-time studio coordinator who handles training and education for the staff. Um, We're in Prescott, Arizona. Like, there's no metals community in northern Arizona anymore. You know, most of those academic programs at the university level closed years ago. Um, We don't really have like a jewelry community in Arizona to draw from, um, like some parts of the country. So we know that anybody we hire, um, we're going to have to teach all of that um, for them to be able to help customers and handle quality control and, you know, really serve our audience. They need that. Um, So, yeah, it's something we really believe in. We put a lot into that. Um, And then also just general education I just gave a seminar last week actually (laughs) it's so funny it's all this stuff we're talking about um, on pricing and sourcing from the customer perspective so we took everyone through an exercise where um, you know they um, had this faux jewelry collection and they had to source all the parts and budget for the materials and figure out how to price the work um, and kind of see what our customers experienced so they understood that.
0: I would like to take that seminar <laughs> <laughs> I just I love how you have these people that come in that might not even make jewelry or not even passionate about it I mean yeah. let's be honest some people just need a job yeah. and then to be able to give them that kind of training and whatnot is pretty interesting to me
1: yeah some of them
0: have gotten very good at it too really cool yeah. yeah they're like mm, I yeah. start my own business people really take to it it's um kind of fun. and do you have much turnover at your company? Would you say like your employees tend to stick around a lot? They
1: tend to stick around, yeah. yeah. I mean, in those first few years it's, it's, you know, everybody's gotta try on a new job, see if it fits for you, see if it fits for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people in the company have been there 10 years or more. Um, we just had a gal retire who was with us from the very beginning, so 40, oh, 45 years, yeah, she was with us for 45 years. Um, and we have a lot of people in that 15 to 20 year range as well
0: that's fascinating do you guys um are you able to give benefits to your employees mm-hmm. yeah absolutely. I mean you seem to care so much about mm-hmm. even the jewelry's community I'm assuming that your employees you care a lot about them duh yeah um that's They're awesome fantastic go, I, go team Halstead I just got my first <laughs> job with benefits and it's like it's still weird it still yeah. weirds me out I just went on my first real vacation in like two years and I got paid for some paid of the time vacation. I was I know. Yay! i know we're so lucky right i it know. Is. it's a yeah. good thing um so i love how the halstead is kind of you're kind of mentoring people and i really like that because even if you don't get to be a finalist or whatnot you're giving them the tools to think ahead and start mm-hmm. working towards those goals um so you guys a few months ago <laughs> hillary emailed me and she said hey you're doing a great job with the podcast." Etc., um, you probably don't know what a sp- you're doing regarding sponsorships or what to do. I can't remember the email. It was very, like, it warmed my heart. Um, <laughs> so basically, you were like, We would like to sponsor you, but you probably don't know what that means. Let's have a phone call and talk about it. Yeah. Um, and then I had that phone call with you. I was so excited about it. I took a lot of notes, and you were like, These are the things that you should be thinking about. Look into this, look into this, and then get Mm -hmm. back to me. And then I did that thing, um, which I've done multiple times in my life, where I just got so overwhelmed because I wanted (laughs) it to be perfect that I just shut down. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's not (laughs) your fault at all. Um, You just, but I'm so thankful that you reached out to me because at least I downloaded software for analytics and now I put this like link on everything that I publish that is tracking my analytics so I can mm-hmm. get like a better understanding who's listening and my demographic and et cetera. Um, but yeah, so I just kind of wanted to talk about that with you because, mm-hmm. I mean, guys, full disclosure, we're still not any closer to figuring it out on my end, <laughs> but we're getting there. Get there. Um but I was just, I mean, overwhelmed by how knowledgeable you are and just talking to you on the phone. I was like, man, this woman knows what she's doing. And you're just kind of one of those people that I just wish you were around all the time. So I could <laughs> just could ask just, you.
1: Just call me, Sarah. Just Sarah. ask you
0: questions as I go because <laughs> you were throwing so much information at me. And I was like, this is amazing. Of course, you have your MBA. Um, so I don't know. What should we talk about?
1: What should we talk about? Sponsorships? Um, yeah. So have you sponsored a podcast before? Not a podcast. No, that would be a first for us. Oh, I'm going to be your first. Yeah. All right. That's awesome.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm always looking for projects. Um, yeah. I mean, sponsorships are, are pretty specific, um, you know, to people providing content or media of a sort. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's, um, you know, it's interesting. It's interesting times because jewelers are so creative about how they get their names out there these days. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, a lot of people are creating great content around their businesses Um, and content is a skill set, you know, whether it's audio content on a podcast or writing or, um, you know, photography. I mean, people have a lot of different talents they bring into these things.
0: YouTube videos.
1: YouTube videos, absolutely, Mm -hmm. yeah. So anytime you're building an audience, right, and providing, Mm -hmm. you know, value and creating, um, you know, listeners or readers or whatever it is, um, you're creating content and yeah, there's, there's, opportunity for that I think sometimes if you can find the right fit um so yeah I mean I think it's it's great that jewelers are becoming so creative about how they market and using these other tools Mm -hmm. rather than just you know placing an ad um you know like in the olden days all those all those things we all know about right um I think creating content is really smart it's a it's a great approach um and it promotes you and your work Mm -hmm. in a really unique way yeah, in a really unique way.
0: I will say, yeah, I, I through the podcast I've gotten a lot more opportunities mm-hmm. that I don't think would have happened if I wasn't doing this. It puts my name out there. Mm-hmm. Um, puts my voice out there. Um so the biggest thing for me that I took away from it is the term marketing kit. <laughs> <laughs> marketing kit. Because there's been a few other people that have said, like, Oh, well, do you have a marketing kit? Are you approaching people mm-hmm. for sponsorships? And I was like, Yeah, getting to it. Promise. Um, so can you describe to me what overall like what a marketing kit is? Sure. Yeah. yeah. So
1: um, you know, like for us at Halstead or any company really, if you're buying ad space in a magazine, mm-hmm. um or on a website, whatever it is, um, you can usually request what's called a marketing kit and There's no single formula. Everybody kind of gives you a a little bit of a different package. They used to actually come to you in the mail in a big fat chubby envelope, right? (laughs) Oh, the olden days. (laughs) The olden days of the glossy binders. Um, (laughs) But it's, it's generally an overview of the audience. So marketers want to know, like, what's the size of your audience? What's the profile of your audience? What are they like? What are they into? Um, it's kind of a breakdown of what you offer in terms of sponsorships, mm-hmm. um, because really marketers are wanting to connect with an audience, right? It's, yeah. it's not philanthropy. It's marketing, right? Yeah. It's a whole different gig. So they're trying to connect with audiences um, that are potential buyers for their products or consumers of whatever it is they do. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're looking for, um, organizations producing content and media kits that kind of speak to that, right?
0: Yeah. And I had a friend who has a podcast. He's, his has been on longer than mine. He's had sponsorships. He sent me his marketing kit and he's oh, like, you can yeah. obviously just copy this format. Yeah. I was like, you're the best. Yeah. Um, so when I would, you know, cause I am going to, when I, when I do hand over my marketing kit to you, um with analytics what are you going to be looking at i've been realizing that i've had a lot more of an international audience than Mm -hmm. i thought Mm -hmm. but that doesn't really matter as much for you would you say because Mm -hmm. as a halstead company are you looking for people that are going to be like clients to yours like how
1: yeah i mean for us it's about connecting with the jewelry community right yeah and then um you know creating those opportunities for education around running small business so okay um yeah so absolutely um we do a lot of work internationally um, as well. And it just, it depends on, you know, who you're talking about, right? Like yeah. every sponsor is a little bit different, exactly what they're looking for and mm-hmm. and who they want to connect with, um, what their goals are. That can vary quite a bit.
0: And then on your end, have you looked, because when I listen to podcasts, um, you know, I obviously listen to some pretty famous ones like Dan mm-hmm. Savage and mm-hmm. This American Life, and you start to there was a joke my friend Haley and I are having dinner once and I was like I love podcasts I was like yeah me too before I even had this podcast Mm -hmm. and he's like yeah I sleep on a Casper mattress and I'm wearing me undies and I was like like, (laughs) six months later I was like and I was like yeah and I get um what's that meal service blue apron Uh I was like oh the podcast advertising is working it's like a charm on me um that's funny so those companies all have like pretty hefty budgets, mm-hmm. biggers, and they're obviously um, targeting these fairly famous podcasts. Um, so when you look at it, on your side of it, did you do research as to what you should be looking for for a podcast audience? No, I just started listening to the
1: podcast and I liked it. Yes, (laughs) good. Okay, great. We'll be in this learning. I mean, I didn't. I didn't start listening to the podcast because I was looking for sponsorship areas. You know, it was just. it was part of my routine um, to kind of listen to podcasts um, one day of the week while I was like flipping through all the industry press, you know? I mean, there's yeah. like that little time slot I have to just kind of connect with what's going on out there in the wider world of jewelry. And so mm-hmm. while I'd go through all the industry press, I would kind of click on a podcast. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I became acquainted with what you do because I was consuming the content. And uh, the, yeah. Yeah, so I was like, yes, this is great. I love it. Um, and I think it... Um, has a lot in common with, you know, some of those things we try to do, too.
0: Yeah, well, when you were talking earlier, I was like, oh, we're kind of like kissing cousins, like the <laughs> things that you want to talk about, I want to talk about, Yeah. you know more, I'm just like, this is what's happening. Um. Yeah, well, I'm excited about it. I think, for me, it's been intimidating, but it's making me think about it, mm-hmm. much like that Holstead Grant probably would, you know? <laughs> like, you have to sit down and put in the work, And figure out those numbers. um, But that's worth it, right? It is worth it. Yeah. no. You set
1: some goals. You make some things start to happen. That's what it's all about.
0: And I love goals. I mean, I definitely am a five-year plan kind of girl. And even with the podcast, just starting it, my only goal was just to make it for a year. Mm -hmm. Um, And my goal, my second goal was to have my first sponsor by two years Mm -hmm. if I was going to keep going. And then um, by five years, I would like to be making at least 50% of my income. Mm Mm-hmm. And those, like, I'll definitely revisit those and change them up and whatnot. But um, just starting out, that was my initial idea. Um, and I think that was a big part for why I didn't even put out a Patreon or ask for donations or anything mm-hmm. toward until towards the end of the first year, because I was still just in my goals was just to prove to myself that I was going to keep doing it.
1: Yeah. you got to try it on for a while. Well, it's like that when you, sense.
0: when you ask your dad to buy you a skateboard and he's like, <laughs> you use it for a month and you, you throw gets thrown in the toys room. Like yep. I invested in this equipment. <laughs> I could just hear my grandpa being like, did you waste all your money or not? <laughs> so that was really what was going on there. Um, Hillary, it has been such a pleasure to speak with you. Oh, thanks for having me. It's yeah, been fun. and I look forward to it. So, in the coming months, you guys, I'll try to keep you updated. But um, I have my homework to do, and I'll be happy to share all that with you guys as I figure out a marketing kit and my analytics. Um, and thank you to everybody who has been donating because lately my. Patreons and things like that are picking up which is really cool Awesome, um, because that means I can just invest more time into this and more episodes for everybody which is what it's all about um, before we wrap up Hillary mm-hmm. is there anything you want to plug or talk about that I haven't touched on no I think we covered it really well I mean yeah. for all
1: of you who are getting started on this path I think check out the Halstead Grant yeah definitely check it out um, even if um, you're past that little time window of emerging artists, I think, just downloading the outline mm-hmm. and kind of thinking through some of those questions. It's going to help you. It's going to help you get started. It'll mm-hmm. help your business. Um, it's really worth putting the time in. And um, I think it's a big barrier. Everyone's really busy and they think they'll have time for it later. But. You, you stay busy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm learning. You, you never get less busy. <laughs> so yeah. do it now.
0: Yeah, put away like 30 minutes yeah. over the weekend or something. Yeah, put some thought into it. Um. So the grant just ended. It, The application process, uh, it, it's due in August every year, correct? Right.
1: Yep, August 1st every year. All right,
0: guys. So you All have right. like a whole year just gets going There you go, it.
1: download it today. <laughs>
0: um, and we can find Halstead, um, I'm sure you're on Instagram. I follow you guys. Yeah. Is it yeah, just at Halstead?
1: It's at Halstead Bead, that Halstead Bead name. Oh,
0: you still got that Halstead Bead <laughs> name. Still and then the handle. Instagram. Yep. Instagram, Facebook. Facebook, all yeah. the things. And then the website, is it just Halstead.com? Halsteadbead.com. Oh, halstead Halstead.com okay. okay. is this
1: big realtor in Manhattan, so you
0: know. Oh, you're never gonna get that. You're never getting that. Well, that's fair. <laughs> I was surprised I got Perceived Value Podcast. That's that was a miracle. Um all right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your trip to stop by and talk with me, Hillary.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Sarah.
0: Yeah, no problem. All right, everyone. This has been another episode of Perceived Value, the podcast broaching the subject of value with artists. Until next time. Perceived Value is recorded and produced by me, Sarah Rachel Brown. If you love the podcast and you want to show your support, become our patron, Visit patreon.com/slash perceived value to learn more, or check out our website at perceivedvaluepodcast.com and click on the support page. As always, thank you for listening.